0: I imagine that everyone has one year in their life that they look back upon with particular disdain. One year that rises above, or should I say falls below, every other year in their life. One year that was particularly distasteful. One year that you look back upon with utter contempt. For me, that year was grade seven. Grade seven, my first year of junior high school. It was the beginning of puberty. Well, it was supposed to be the beginning of puberty. My body seemed to have missed the memo on that one because every girl in my class was six inches taller and a whole lot stronger than I was. Grade seven was the year when nothing seemed right in my world. Grade seven was the year when everything seemed to go wrong. Grade 7 was the year when I had to get glasses. Grade 7 was the year when I had to get braces. Grade 7 was the year when my dog died. Grade 7 was the year when my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs finished in last place. Okay, admittedly, that pretty well happened every year, but you get the point of what I'm trying to say here. When it came to grade 7, I had nothing going for me. Nothing. When I think of grade seven, there is one moment, however, that stands apart from all of the other moments. One moment that symbolizes the tension that I was living. It was the day in gym class when we all had to participate in something called the Canada Fitness Awards program. Now, for those of you who didn't grow up in Canada in the 20th century, the Canada Fitness Awards program was something the federal government invented back in 1970, so you know it had to be good. According to the federal government, this program was designed to create better attitudes towards personal fitness amongst the children of our nation. Now, after a few years, the program was discontinued because, and I quote, it ended up discouraging children instead of motivating children. (laughs) You'll understand why when you hear how the program actually worked. Now, the Canada Fitness Award program consisted of six uh, brief tests of physical fitness. Now, for each test, the teacher timed and measured how well you did, while the rest of the class stood in front of you and watched you. Now, at the end, you received a little badge, uh, depending on how well or poorly you did. There was the award of excellence. There was gold, silver, bronze, and, as I remember, a participatory paper as well. Now, these were the actual tests. There was the 50-yard run, the 300-yard run, something they called the shuttle run. There were speed sit-ups. There was the standing long jump, and then... There was the sixth and final test. The sixth and final test is the one that stands out in my mind as summing up my entire grade seven experience. The sixth and final test was something known as the flexed arm hang. I am convinced Satan himself invented the flexed arm hang test. The flexed arm hang test went like this. It was a bar hanging in the air. The whole class stood in front while you grabbed, jumped up, grabbed the bar, and you had to hold the bar just at your nose length. And you hung from this bar with your, your arms like this, and the teacher then timed how long you could hang in this position. You couldn't do this. You couldn't be above the bar. You bar it couldn't go on your chin it had to be at your nose and you hung there for as long as you could it was torture and the rest of the class would watch as you were tortured by this flexed arm hang test i remember some kids literally couldn't even get up on the bar other kids seemed to hang there for hours most kids seemed to hang in there for about anywhere from 10 to maybe a little over a minute it seemed I can't remember how long I actually lasted on that flexed arm hang bar, but I remember hanging there. And what would happen after a few seconds is you would feel your arms and your shoulders begin to burn. And your arms would start to do this and your legs would start to do this. And you'd be shaking, shaking, trying to keep that bar at your nose and your body was screaming, your arms were burning. And I remember hanging there and my arms screaming, my body screaming, every muscle in my arms and shoulders begging me to stop. And I remember in my mind saying to myself, just focus, Darren. You can do this, Darren. Just hang in there for one more second. That inner dialogue really sums up my entire grade seven. It's what I said to myself 24 hours a day for that entire year. Just focus, Darren. You can do this, Darren. Just hang in there for one more second. I mean, looking back, grade seven was just one long flexed arm hang as far as I was concerned. So what about you? Is there a year in your life that stands out from the rest because of its ugliness? Is there a year in your life when you found yourself repeating over and over again, just focus. You can do this. Just hang in there for one more second. Now, from the interactions that I've had over the last few months, 2020 was that kind of a year for many people. It was a year of pain, of tension, of frustration, anxiety, and exhaustion. Now, the reality is, although we have turned the page on the calendar, we haven't yet completely turned the page on COVID. We're in the home stretch. The finish line is definitely within sight. But we're still out on the field. We're still running the race. So here is the question of the moment as we begin the year 2021. What will it take to finish well? What kind of things should we be doing? What kind of thoughts should we be thinking? If we want to come out the other end of this with a healthy heart and a strengthened soul. That's what I want to talk about for the next 15 minutes or so. I want to do my best to equip you in your everyday life. I want to do my best to show you the biblical way to not just survive, but to actually thrive in the midst of difficult days. Together, we are going to learn how a follower of Jesus Christ should respond to trials and tribulations. Together, we're going to learn how to get the most out of every difficulty in our lives. Are you ready? So let's get right to it. I love the story of the old country preacher who stood in his pulpit one day in front of 20 people or so in his little tiny country church. And he said, my favorite passage in the Bible, my passage that I always turn to in difficult times is this. It's a little phrase he said you read many times in the Bible. And the phrase is this, and it came to pass. He said, many times you read that all throughout scripture, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. He said, why I love that phrase, and why I bring it to my mind during difficult days, is I remind myself, yes, this has come, but has come to pass. It's here now, but it's going to pass away. It came to pass. It's not going to be with me forever. It came to pass. Folks, This moment of trial is not going to last forever. Now, I know it feels like it's never going to end, but it is going to end. So stop acting like it won't end. Stop talking like it won't end. Realize that this is merely a moment in time. Realize that this is a moment that is here today, but it will be gone in the future. Realize that it came to pass. So what are you going to do in the meantime? How are you going to respond in this moment? That country preacher was more profound than many realized because he knew that the biblical key to surviving and thriving during your difficult days is tied to your attitude during those difficult days. And that brings us to today's big idea. Yep, right off the top. We're going to lay out our big idea, and then we're going to flesh it out for a couple moments. Here's the big idea. Here's the key. Here's the attitude. Here is the perspective. Here is the simple phrase that we need to repeat to ourselves over and over again to get the most in thriving and surviving in difficult days. Here it is. If you want to thrive and survive in difficult days, you need to mine the moment for meaning. Mine the moment for meaning. That's the key. You say, what does that even mean, Darren? It means during difficult days, don't live on the surface. It means during difficult days, dig deeper. Look deeper than your circumstances. Live deeper than your circumstances. If you want to survive and even thrive during difficult days, you need to mine the moment for meaning. That means recognize that God is active in your difficulties. That means recognize and realize that God is working in your trials. You need to mine the moment for meaning. Look for clues as to what God is up to. Look for clues as to what God is doing through and in the midst of your trial. Now, practically speaking, how can a person live this out? Well, one place to find the answer is in the life and teaching of the Apostle Paul. Paul was a leader in the first century church, and he wrote much of what we have in the New Testament. Paul traveled around starting new churches wherever he went. And after he moved on, he would often then keep in touch with the church he just left by writing them letters to teach and to encourage. And he would often use examples from his own life as a way of instructing others. He did this in a letter he wrote to the congregation in the ancient uh, city of Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. In the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, meaning the second letter we have that he wrote to Corinth, Paul wrote this, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 8, Paul writes this, he says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Now, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, Paul doesn't get into the details here, but clearly he is describing some serious trouble that he was into. He was describing some intense trial, some incredible difficulty that he was living through. So intense, so incredible, so difficult that he literally felt like his life was about to end. We talked about this a few weeks ago during our Dark Days series about depression. It was so serious, so intense that Paul found himself saying in the midst of this trial, just focus, Paul. You can do this, Paul. Just hang in there for one more second. Paul says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. I mean, that was the surface. Now look what Paul discovered when he started digging. Watch now as Paul begins to mine that moment for meaning. Look what he says next. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul is saying, you know something? I now realize why God allowed that trial to take place. He says, I took the time and I made the effort to mine that moment for meaning. Paul is saying that life-threatening experience not only shook me to my core, but it changed me at my core. It revolutionized how I view life. Paul is saying, I now realize that God saw something deep within me that was actually destroying me and I didn't know it. So God allowed me to be placed in a situation that would expose my folly and heal my soul. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. In the midst of his difficult days, Paul dug deep. Paul looked beneath the surface in his life. Paul mined the moment for meaning. We see this principle again a little later later in the same letter. If you turn the page... After describing some more difficult trials and tribulations that had torn him down and worn him out, Paul went on to say this in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, starting at verse 16. He says, We do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Do you see that? Do you see what Paul has learned about life through mining the moments in his trials? He stopped living on the surface and started looking beneath the surface. Sure, Paul says, outwardly, we're wasting away. On the surface, yeah, we're wasting away. But inwardly, beneath the surface, we are being renewed day by day. Paul had learned to dig deep. Paul had learned to look and to live beneath the surface of life. Keep reading. He says in verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, in the English, we lose what Paul is doing here. This was originally written in ancient Greek. And in the ancient Greek, Paul does a little play on words that we miss in the English language. He says, he he does a, a... picture scales, balancing scales here. On the one side, he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Light and momentary. They're just, they're not heavy, they're light, and they only last for a moment. They just came to pass. They're light and momentary troubles. But on the other side, they are achieving for us an eternal, it's not momentary, it's eternal. And that word glory is rooted in a word for heaviness. Glory was, and I I won't get into the history of it all, but it was a a word symbolizing value and that was a culture that gold was valuable and so the more gold you had, the heavier the gold, the more valuable it was. It was glory, it was gold, it was valuable. And so that word for, for glory became synonymous with heaviness or a weight. So you see what he's saying. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, an eternal heaviness that far outweighs them all. Our troubles, they're light, they're momentary, but they're achieving for us an eternal glory, an eternal heaviness that far outweighs those troubles. That's what he's saying. On the scale of meaning, our troubles are light, they're momentary but they have an eternal heaviness to them that far outweighs any trouble that I'm experiencing. Now, notice the verb tense as well. He says they are achieving. It's present tense. And notice the pronouns, our, us. See, Paul isn't just talking about himself in the past. He's talking about you today. Paul says, when it comes to trials in life, I have learned to mind the moment for meaning. And I've discovered what God is up to during such moments. God is at work within us during such moments of trial. Listen, know that the benefit that he is achieving within your soul far outweighs the heaviness that you're feeling in your body our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then in the next verse, he sums it all up by showing us how to mind the moment for meaning in our lives. Look what he says next. He says in verse 18, so we fix our eyes That word fix our eyes, it's scopio. It's like where we get the word to scope, to scope out something. It means to pay close attention, to look intently. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, ah, that's eternal. What is seen, that is all that has come to pass. But what's unseen is how God uses everything that has come to pass. There's something deeper going on, Paul says, but you've got to look for it. You've got to fix your eyes on the unseen. How do you mind the moment for meaning? Paul says you've got to dig deep. You have to intentionally look for it. You have to look beneath the surface of your circumstances. You've got to recognize it in order to receive it. So let's conclude today. What about your life? Maybe as you're watching today, you find yourself in the midst of a trial. Maybe you feel like you're back in grade seven. You're hanging from that bar. Everyone is watching you and you don't know how much longer you can hang on. Know that God is with you. Know that God is using the pain to achieve a gain in your life. God is working. God is achieving eternal value in your life. So mind this moment for meaning. Fix your eyes upon him right now. Begin to dig deep in your heart and start to cash in on that eternal value. Listen, we're all living through difficult days. We're all living through trying times. How are you choosing to respond to these days? How are you choosing to respond to these times? Those are the questions. Mine the moment for meaning. That's what a Christ follower does. Mine the moment for meaning. What is God teaching you? What is God showing you? How is God changing you? What will you discover when you mine your moments in life? Let me leave you with two simple questions. They're on your outline today. Two simple questions that that might help you get started. Two simple questions that may serve as the first two shovels in the ground, if you will, as you start to dig deep in the midst of your trial. Here's the first question. Ask yourself this. What have you learned about yourself through this trial, be it good or bad, that can make you stronger in the future? What have you learned about yourself through this trial, be it good or bad, that can make you stronger in the future? For example, Paul learned that deep down he had been relying upon his own abilities, his own power, his own strength, instead of God's ability, God's power, and God's strength. It took Paul reaching the end of himself to realize that it wasn't about himself after all. So what has your trial revealed about what's going on beneath the surface of your life? Sit down with a piece of paper. Fix your eyes on Jesus and ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to give you supernatural insight. Then start jotting down the thoughts that begin to bubble up from within you. What have I learned about myself through this trial, be it good or bad, that can make me stronger in the future? Here's a second question I want to leave with you. What have you learned to appreciate now that you took for granted in the past? What have you learned to appreciate now that you actually took for granted in the past? A newspaper reporter from a local paper asked me this question a couple weeks ago, and it really got me to thinking. She said, so Darren, tell me, what have you learned to appreciate now that you took for granted before? And you know the first thing that came to my mind? You know how I immediately responded? You. You who are what came to my mind that I took for granted in the past, that I appreciate more now. I realized how much I took for granted our gatherings, our services week after week. I realized that I'd begun to become somehow robotic in our preaching and our teaching. And and I just began to see crowds and and not realize in mind uh, the, the power of family, the power of togetherness, the power of community, the power of looking each other in the eye, being with each other, laying hands on each other's shoulders, praying for one another, holding each other's hands, crying with one another, laughing with one another. I realized how I had taken, and for granted the power of Christian community, the power of God's assembled people. Never again will I take you for granted. What about you? When you mind the meaning of your moment, what will you find? It's a biblical key to surviving and thriving during difficult days. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever is going on around you and within you, know that when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God is with you. God is active within you to shape you, to form you, to heal you, and to restore you. So call out to him. Fix your eyes upon him. These days will not defeat you, but these days will define you if you let him transform you into everything he's created you to be let's pray together would you pray with me right now God during these difficult days we look to you we're not minimizing the pain the struggle the anxiety the fear the depression the fatigue we experience all of these things daily some of us have gone through very deep waters we've lost loved ones Some of us have lost our jobs. Some of us have lost relationships. Some of us have have lost contact with people we love dearly. There's a lot of loss that has gone on. But we choose to fix our eyes on you and recognize that these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So teach us your ways. Father, reveal yourself to us in the midst of these difficult days. We choose to have the attitude and the understanding that you're bigger than all of this. That you are turning obstacles into opportunities to trust you, to obey you, and to be used by you in new ways. So God changes from the inside out. And maybe as you're watching today, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You've been going through these days on your own. This could be the biggest moment in your life. This could be your step into an eternal life. Through these difficult days, you find yourself, strangely enough, right now sitting at home watching a church service. Who would ever have thought that you'd be sitting here today watching a service on church online? But you're doing that right now. God, by his spirit, these days have brought you to this moment. To hear this truth that God loves you. He's walked with you. He knows everything about you. And he has brought you to this very moment so you can hear this truth that you are loved. He knows all about you. He knows all about your struggles and your trials. Yes, your sin and your rebellion. That's why he sent his son, Jesus to cleanse you, to pay your moral debt and to forgive you of all that you've done in the past and to come and live within you by his spirit to give you power to live today and tomorrow. All you need to do is accept this gift. You don't work for it. There's no hoops you need to jump through. You simply acknowledge your need and accept his gift. Pray this with me right now if you'd like to accept the life and death and resurrection power of Jesus into your life. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have rebelled against you. I don't want to live that way anymore. I accept your gift that you purchased through Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me and fill me with your spirit. Change me from the inside out. Transform me into the person you created me to be. And would you give me the courage, even right now, to act on this decision? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you would just like to reach out and and connect with uh, one of our pastoral staff so we can encourage you in another level, there's a a number on the screen right now. Text that number. Or in a moment, you'll see on the screen an email address, new at broadwaychurch.com. Either text that number or email that email address, and we would be happy to connect with you and help you take the next step in your journey. God bless you, folks. Happy New Year. And we're believing God for great things as he continues to work out our salvation. Mine, the moment for meaning. God bless you.